Welcome to I Spit on Your Podcast, a monthly horror podcast brought to you by the Spinsters of Horror. This is a time once a month where I put down my bloody knitting needles and Kelly steps away from the TV to discuss horror movies and sometimes other horror mediums with thoughtful analysis, research, and passion. On this episode, we are rocking and rolling with heavy metal horror. We are discussing the movie Deathgasm and the Canadian TV show Todd in the Book of Pure Evil. Jess and I will get into our metal journeys, our horror journeys, along with discussing the stigmatization against metal and horror fans, particularly those of women. So pick your poison and listen on. If you dare. Just We're going to be doing something a little bit differently. Though we are talking about a TV show and a movie, we're not going to be going into any kind of in-depth analysis. Really, this will be a big conversation about those two things and about a couple of themes that we want to explore. But generally, it's our wisdom, thoughts, and opinions and experiences we're going to be talking about. Exactly. Kind of like a bit of a, a low-key month, give our brains a bit of a break as we rev up for the next six months. Yes, brain breaks. We need it. Yep. <laughs> um, but we can briefly discuss why we chose those these two things. So we had originally planned on doing a 1960s horror month, but then a crazy random happenstance occurred, which we'll talk a bit about <laughs> later, which bumped up our discussion of heavy metal horror. So we think that Deathgasm and the TV show of Todd and the Book of Pure Evil really represent horror comedies and heavy metal horror in a very nice light way. They pair very nicely together. There's a lot of shared uh, themes and elements to them. And we both just really love Deathgasm and... We think that Todd in the Book of Pure Evil deserves way more love than it gets. Yeah, so pretty much we just took an opportunity to talk about what are the two things that we love most when <laughs> we have horror and metal put together. And it's, these, and it's just these two items. But, but they also show examples of what it's like to be a metal fan and a horror fan. So we were just like, these are these are perfect. Let's get into this discussion. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. So first we're going to talk about why do horror and metal go so well together? Because really they do when you when you get down into the kind of the nuts and bolts of it. And some aspects I actually didn't really even think of as being long-term fans of both. The, the similarities between the genres, the commonalities and everything are pretty outstanding, actually. So there's a bunch of different things that we're definitely going to talk about because there's so many things that are, are related to both. So generally speaking, especially when it comes to the history of heavy metal music, if you think about it in the 80s, uh, there definitely was that history of metal music being seen as deviant and causing criminal behavior um, and that it's a very aggressive genre without substance. So the whole concept of satanic panic. Mm -hmm. And there was that infamous trial with Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister oh, on yeah, it, yeah. just stating that metal music doesn't cause or create criminals. Yeah, there you had. He was up against uh, Tipper Gore, who was like, "This stuff. If you play the music backwards, it's telling you to like go raise Satan from the dead or something like that." And people are just like, "No, it's it's just metal, right?" But because it's so aggressive and it pushes outside the boundaries of what music they were listening to in the '80s, like those that fun pop stuff, you know, or like or as. Um, 
Zach would say in fucking Deathgasm, like fucking Rick Astley video um, record. <laughs> oh, good old Rick Astley. Gotta love him. <laughs> yeah. Which then kind of ties into commonly, both with horror and metal music, it's, you see a lot of the... Not the loner types or introverted types, but the outcasts of society. You know, the the people that might wear all black or just be a little bit different than everyone else. You know, if you think of those kids in your high school that were a bit of, you know, the loners and they maybe didn't have a huge group of friends. They weren't super popular. And that was definitely me. And I was going to say, I'm like, (laughs) that sounds like my high school, (laughs) my time in high school, too. Exactly. So, I mean because of the quote-unquote weirdness of metal and horror people definitely become even more outcasted from society but mainly if you know it comes down to it especially when we look at deathgasm and taught the book of pure evil these are teenagers they're in high school and that is the worst time to be alive and yeah kids are relentless and there's bullying and they become easy targets And then, you know, that leans into these teenagers and people going towards metal and horror for comfort and to enjoy. And they just can experience some of their maybe rage feelings uh, against society, against other people, just a lot of different feelings that they're feeling. And they can experience it safely within the confines of their own home. That too, it also helped them express their creative selves. Like so a lot of times with people, because they maybe are being bullied, because they like horror or metal, they have a really hard time expressing their own uh, creative inspirations, right? Whether they want to paint, draw, you know, be special effects artists and stuff like that. And so this gives them an avenue to be able to do that. Completely, completely. Then there comes the links to Satanism, Satanic imagery and satan himself Mm -hmm. so because metal and horror are more quote-unquote ugly and aggressive people take them at kind of face value thinking that there's no substance to them and it's just with mute with metal it's all just a bunch of noise and because Mm. of the dark imagery then of course the music doesn't provide any kind of uplifting empowering themes or elements to to help somebody out but if you learn more about it it's a very ignorant closed-minded view of everything it's actually can often be the opposite and yes there are a very small amount of metal bands that either are do worship satan or they just use a whole bunch of satanic imagery just as imagery it's theatrics so yeah it's just a very narrow-minded view of everything i I 100 agree with that when it comes to the links of satanism to metal and also to horror right because like if you are a horror fan and you obviously like you know are going to watch movies that scare you but also have scenes of brutality and gore then it's like well only someone who is in quotations evil would be attracted to that sort of music so if you're evil that obviously leads you to wanting to worship the devil and the worship satan so it's just like all of them connecting right and of course then then you gotta like metal music and that all that area (laughs) And of course, you can like one without the other. There's metal fans that don't really care about horror. There's horror fans, definitely a lot of horror fans that don't care at all about metal music. So, and then there's, you know, like Jess and I that like both. So we're like extra weird. 
<laughs> Extra we satanic. Re- <laughs> we really know how to make ourselves stand out in a crowd. Not only are we this, but we are also vegan. We're yeah. also women. Oh, We're gosh. also all the things. That's exactly right. Uh, <laughs> Another way that uh, they share some common themes and elements is that there are bands and horror movies that strictly exist for pure entertainment value. Mm. Yeah, so my main interest in horror and metal when it comes down to it, because I've been thinking a lot about it, of course, this month, is that for me, it's mainly about escapism. There's incredible amount of theatrics. Like, horror really is a theatrical element. Not just being movie, it is a production. And metal can very much be a production. And if you look at a bunch of, like, think of the movies that are in my top five or top 10 list of my favorite horror movies and a lot of the bands that I like there's a lot of like props and stage elements and maybe pyrotechnics and makeup and spikes and it's all just like this it's this wonderful grim and interesting production but then you can also have horror movies and metal bands that provide social commentary they have something to say so they they share those commonalities my in terms of like how i feel about how metal and horror in terms of going together and allowing areas of expression i 100 percent agree you for me listening to a lot of um, metal music is as kelly says is escapism is also a very creative muse for me so when i listen to metal music especially early on like i used to actually do a lot of short story writing and um, i i have been known to write fan fiction in my time when i was really big into japanese anime <laughs> so for all those fans out there who know what fan fiction are try looking for it my uh, currently my partner is on the search for it right now i won't tell anyone where it is at but for me i would listen to metal music especially in university when i was finding myself and i would always imagine stories i would always Mm -hmm. imagine a plot happening and that's always inspired by that music Mm -hmm. there's always they're always telling a story and that's what i love about metal and you know like all music is telling a story in one way in shape or form but for me it speaks to me in that form of storytelling and that's what I really enjoy how it's and like yeah it does draw on dark imagery mm-hmm. as uh, you know especially some bands I'll talk about later who really influence the horror aesthetic in metal but that's great too like it allows you to get these like um, Kelly was saying like get in touch with that dark part of yourself you know that part that we're all not supposed to engage with because you know in some light and love communities that's <laughs> evil you don't deal with your dark side yep. but you do deal with your dark side it yep. exists and sometimes just the meshing of those two uh, genres just really helps to bring like a safe way of expressing that darkness within I love that yes yeah, so I definitely agree and what I was going to say is that yeah it's a dark it's a dark way of expressing oneself. And of course, not everyone is going to relate to that and get it. They're not going to respond to it, which is totally fine, you know? And I don't mean like, don't get it as in like, well, you don't understand, so you just can't possibly. That's not what I mean. It's more just when you listen to it, you don't immediately get drawn into it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, some people feel that way about singer-songwriter music, punk music, rap music, classical music, whatever you know so it is just a 
darker way, generally speaking, because um, not all bands are super dark. Some of them just are high fantasy and hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it just, yeah, it's just not, it's not something for everyone. It's very niche, which we could totally, we could totally understand. And what I was thinking of actually is because when it came, you know, to the social commentary and things to say, mm, yes, um, is behind all of these bands and these songs and the music and the horror movies, there are human beings. So of course yeah. there's going to be an element of humanity or something within themselves that's going to be put into their art. Because I think metal is art, horror is art, all aspects of both are art. So there's going to be something in it. Even if it's, you know, Venom singing about black metal and Satan, there's still elements yep. of the these people's selves and their identities within it. So there's still something to be said. And I don't think it, either horror metal should be kind of just brushed aside and taken at 100% face value. There's much more that it both they both have to say. Just started thinking about like bands. They may not be considered like of the horror metal genre, I guess you would say, but they are metal bands who have used their platform of their music to be able to speak out on certain issues. So mm -hmm. I can think of one of my favorite bands, you know, Kelly is Gojira and they are a death metal band from France and a lot of their music is themed around environmentalism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The current new lead singer of Arch Enemy, she is a vegan and she has been promoting that through her music and wherever she goes about um, the vegan lifestyle. And there's this band called Delaney they did a song um, many, many years ago called We Are The Others, and it is about a young woman named Sophie who was beaten to death in the UK for dressing like a goth. Like, she loved metal music, she loved horror, she was different, yeah. and she was killed. And that they wrote that song for her to express, like, we are the others, we are the cast-outs, yeah. we are the outsiders, but you can't hide us. I'm singing the song right now. <laughs> um, but that's another oh. social commentary is, like, we fans may exist outside of the norm in quotation marks but we are still human beings and we should we still have a right to life and a right to party and enjoy music yeah. and horror and everything oh completely that's a really really sad sad story hate bullying and all of that Ugh. and we'll get into that with deathgasm because there's that one scene i hate it's so horrible yeah, and there's bullying even. It's taught in the Book of Pure Evil is definitely quite light, but it's there's bullying through different aspects yeah. of the show. So I hate bullying. But For sure. Definitely, unfortunately, we see gatekeeping in both yeah. communities, both in horror yeah. and metal. Mm -hmm. You know, and then that leads into quizzing of people, whether in metal or horror, like, oh, my God, you haven't seen Psycho? What's even wrong with you? But are serious about it? Like, sometimes I joke about that with somebody. I'm like, oh, my God, you haven't seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre? But, you know, whatever. I don't care. Um, so gatekeeping is highly inappropriate. And yes. I know it's done overall. But as women, we definitely are subjected to quizzes or having to prove our fandom because yeah. we couldn't possibly be interested in weird, dark shit like many aspects of horror and metal. God forbid. Yeah, yeah especially for myself, like, and people have read my blog post, I don't always look very metal or very horror-looking, right? And so, especially because where I work, I have to dress more business casual and friendly-looking. When I tell people I like death metal or that I watch horror movies, it's always like, yeah, I get those questions asked of me why I really like it. But then also when I meet, like, or quotation marks, I keep doing quotation marks today, <laughs> real 
horror and metal fans and all of a sudden they start asking me questions about like the most obscure movies and stuff like that or like an obscure band and I always love the look on people's face I'm like oh yeah that movie fucking awesome and I start talking about like main Mm -hmm. points about it or talking about some albums and they're like oh shit she does know what she's talking about it's just oh it's just so terrible like who actually cares why do you care that much I'm sure that I would fail a lot of metal quizzes if if I was quizzed on it. I thankfully have never been, but if somebody asked me what my favorite Dark Throne album is, I don't have one. They have like 10 to 12 studio albums, and honestly, I've never I haven't listened to all of them. But like I know who they are and what they represent in their history and how important they are to black metal. Like I can definitely talk about that, but you want to know want me to list off their entire discography? I probably can't do that for almost any band. So, but does it make me less of a fan? No, I have kind of a terrible memory and I just don't care. I still love the music and I can still be a fan. So I find that just highly inappropriate for people to do to one another. As we all know, Jessica is a big history fan and I love elements of history. So kind of like a big little thing I wanted to talk here in terms of why horror metal go together is because we've had quite a bit of influencers in terms of the horror metal genre. So like Kelly said, back in the 1970s and 80s, first band that we all think of horror, we think Black Sabbath, because they considered, that's where people consider where the metal marriage and horror began, because they had a lot of dark, chilling notes and a lot of satanic imagery, and it was always presented that they're dabbling in cult stuff. But really, when we start like looking into more theatrics of horror metal, it really starts off with bands like Alice Cooper and mm-hmm. Kiss, mm-hmm. Uh, especially Alice Cooper with his Carnival of Terror, where he would like perform a live show mm-hmm. of himself being decapitated. Later on, you're gonna see that with like bands like Rammstein, Slipknot, Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, and then of course later on, we're gonna get like. Motley Crue, which is the pretty boys of metal, um, hair, hair metal, yeah, <laughs> with their album Shadow of the Devil, oh, yeah. and they just showed a lot of the aesthetic of using pentagrams on the albums and mm-hmm. stuff, so you see more of that, yeah, like you said, satanic imagery, and Kelly, you said, brought up Venom as well, yeah. that's when we started seeing sat- uh, Satanist lyrics mm-hmm. um, being put in their music, and they were very open about it. Completely open about it. Totally. Yeah, right. Exactly. And they were influencers of bands of Slayer, Clarial Fifth, and Behemoth. So, interesting time for metal in the 90s. At the time, the horror aesthetic in metal was considered very passe, but there is still a small group of metal bands who still went to the extreme with their, like, you know, representation of horror in, in the metal music and in their um, imagery. So in the 90s, we start seeing death metal come out. So oh, we're yes. seeing guys yeah, <laughs> dressed in je- ripped jeans, t-shirts, or sound, and the lyrics are both a mix of metal and heart, like very... Uh, like dank and dark brutal imagery providing graphic imagery of their lyrics their album covers and I'm talking I'm looking at you Cannibal Corpse like we all know those old those old school death metal bands the grindcore bands it was all about entrails and like Carcass the band Carcass just because you're showing dead bodies it means it's horror but it's definitely horrific and not not for the you know weak stomach not for the faint of heart And a lot of those Mm. bands, you know, uh, sang about be serial killers, murder, death. It was just gory and, you know, brutal, which you would see in a lot of horror movies, just the brutality of of horror, death and blood and guts and gore. Uh, Those album covers are fantastic. Also, I want to shout out to 
cattle decapitation who yeah. have who are pretty much all vegans to vegetarians they do generally have a misanthropic vegetarian uh point of view in their their lyrical content and and everything so <laughs> the shock rockers that was the term i was looking for as you were talking about uh yes. alice cooper rob zombie yeah. guar sorry i was just gonna start talking about guar yeah, yeah. about the band like yeah. their huge monster costumes totally. you know their live performances there'd be slime blood <laughs> semen on stage oh, yeah. like very graphic violent imagery yeah. so even though their music wasn't that great they were known for the imagery <laughs> i love guar they've got some fun punky heavy music may not be what you're into but um, <laughs> it's not like metal metal in the sense like it's really dark and yeah. grim and foreboding and atmospheric it's definitely runs along the like punk metal side of things but yeah they're fucking yeah. they're monsters and if you look exactly. at the lordy band that's oh, from yes, um, lordy. finland Would you love a monster man <laughs> exactly like they again they are they dress up as monsters and they have their own horror movie and they sing about all kinds of spooky stuff. So it's, you know, it varies so, so widely. Yeah. Then we also see in the 90s another like, so there's variations of how we're marrying metal and horror together, but then you get someone like Rob Zombie who comes onto the scene. So a lot of his music is inspired by the horror genre. We also know him as a, a famous, you know, horror director with wow. House of a Thousand Corpses, you know, Lords of Salem. Totally. So, and if you watch like his music videos like yeah. Dracula, Living Dead Girl, like there's a lot of that imagery as well, too. Yeah. 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 Then we also see the rise of gothic imagery in, that was inspired by horror, especially the movie The Crow. Mm. Um, interesting enough, we, this is where we, they talk, we talk about the rise of typo negative. <laughs> R.I.P. Peter Steele. Which, interesting enough, in this like reading about these bands, was that they were actually a, a very tongue-in-cheek band. Yep. So like they were they immersed themselves in the gothic scene and the imagery, but still at the same time poking fun of it. Yep. And I did not even realize that. Yeah. Oh, I was yeah. Just like, no, they were not really? serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? But, like, that's what makes them more, like, that gothic imagery yeah. because, like, all their music is very spooky, atmospheric. Depressing. You know, Peter Steele's, like, haunting baritone voice. We get the first wave of Norwegian black metal. So this is where we start seeing corpse paint, mm -hmm. satanic imagery, the hatred of religion. This inspired band called Cradle of Filth, which is also inspired by other horror elements such as Lovecraft, Bram Stoker, Mary Shelley, mm -hmm. the classic British Hammer horror films. Apparently, they pushed the envelope with uh, really in the 90s, and they in the music video Vestal Masturbation had been banned because of how much it pushed that envelope. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Kelly is cackling over there. <laughs> Love it. And then, of course, and I don't know, I, we have to, like, Kelly and I maybe have to discuss this, but the real boogeyman of the 90s was Marilyn Manson. Oh. That he was often compared to Alice Cooper with very a lot of shock rock values. Yeah. He, you know, he combined gothic and pagan imagery, but, like, it was like this... You know, like, he hated authority, and yeah. he was just like, screw everyone, and yeah, like, I remember some of his music was really shocking, but do you think he would be considered the boogeyman in the 90s? I don't know. Again, here's media blowing shit way out of proportion, because, again, shock rocker, it was all theatrics, production value, and yes, at the time, he was seen as such a dramatic anti-authority figure where many teenagers flocked to and I eventually after I got out of my fear of uh, Marilyn Manson and I was done listening what? oh I used to be afraid like I couldn't listen to Antichrist Superstar it gave me the Wiggins really? yeah, yeah. 
Wow. That was when I was listening to only 90s rock music. So. Oh, okay. And I was okay. like, ooh, I'm scared. But if you like listen to some of it and it's like in a dark room, it just gave me the creeps. I'm sure it'd be fine now. I haven't listened to it in quite a while, but I think that was too harsh. So really, so yeah, you wouldn't consider Manson the boogeyman of the 90s just because no. of she's shock rock values? Yeah, no, I don't no. think so either. You want to talk about boogeyman? Let's go over to Norway. Holy shit. Marilyn Manson didn't burn down any churches and murder people. So, I guess if you're just thinking North America. Yeah, I guess fine, so, right? But, yeah. But. Like the America being like, yeah, Christian values yep. and stuff like that. And then you get this goth, dark rocker yep. coming in being like Antichrist yep. and my own personal Jesus. Yeah, no, that's true. I can get, I can get why like in the U in the US, but I guess like all the rest of the metal scene was just like, no, he's not. No, he's good. He's Yeah, they probably fine. think he's a pansy. That's, you know, yeah. if I'm from Europe, maybe that's what I would say. <laughs> so speaking, so yeah, yeah. And speaking of which, moving it into the 21st century, we get metal moving away to new metal. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, new metal. And I can't, I used to be kind of make a little, not poke some fun, especially at my partner who's, he likes new metal. And then realizing that my first metal band was really actually corn. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah that's new metal. It was. It's a written. There's a written document signed in blood <laughs> that you loved corn. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Um, but interesting <laughs> enough, they were talking about this band that was new metal, but also had horror elements to it. And that was Slipknot. Yep. So they said, kind of like leading the charge to be like, like be like something that was like Texas Chainsaw Massacre to more Last House on the left. Mm-hmm. So I didn't listen to any Slipknot, but right. did you? I uh, I had I think their first album. Yeah, um, I think like they they're known for like their masks. Totally, right? they only yep. wear masks. Yeah, they have like and... ten band members for no reason, and I don't know. I don't I don't know that much about them, but I don't know if I would necessarily relate them towards Last House on the Left. But again, I haven't read their lyrics probably since 1996. So mm. I don't know. Maybe I, I guess it was. I guess they were saying like in this magazine article they were comparing. Like, if you wanted to look at genres of horror-type metal these bands were, they were saying, like, Marilyn Manson would be the exorcist of horror, and then Slipknot would be the last house on the left of horror. That, like, brutality. Okay, okay. um, Interesting, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I'd have to think more about it. And and yeah. see if I agree. Yeah, and so like also interesting enough, and you already brought up cattle decapitation. Mm-hmm. It was saying like in the 21st century, now that when we're seeing metal and horror together, we get these music videos that are allowing metal bands and artists to include horror theme material in their music, but also adding that like morbid streak to try and mm-hmm. impress people from the underground. And so like you said, cattle decapitations, there's this video called forced gender reassignment that yep. was banned from YouTube and Vimo, but the only place willing to play it was bloodydisgusting.com, yep. largest ho- internet horror site. Yeah, I've uh, seen that video. I guess it, Yeah. I, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think I did watch it on YouTube before it was banned. Yeah, it's pretty intense. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. 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 And so kind of like continuing to where we are now, like, today's uh, terms in like the metal scene they're right now talking about a lot about the band ghost that continuation of, of marrying horror and metal t- together with you know ghost satanic lyrics mm-hmm. and he invokes a lot of imagery that they've described it being something like close to like rosemary's baby mm-hmm. to the witch mm-hmm. just in all the imagery that he's singing in his music and of course he has that whole persona and act that he has going mm-hmm. right now being you know papa emeritus Im- and mm-hmm. 
through his scene. So yeah. And a bunch of their album covers are inspired by horror movie posters. So yeah. yes, the Nosferatu one. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It just see it blends so incredibly well together even more so than I realized because I hadn't really sat down and and like put everything together kind of side by side comparison it's yeah right mainly the last thing that I want to say is that another thing is that within horror and within metal music there are an incredible amount of subgenres. so th- I really think that there's something for everyone in both mm-hmm. like You've got found footage and cults and ghosts, the supernatural. We've got some serial killers. We've got creature features. We have, you know, evil children, um, possession. There's so many different types of horror movies. And then probably even more different types of metal music. Grind, death, and black metal, and power metal, and heavy metal, and doom metal. There's so much variety in there, which is fantastic. So uh, let's get into our first film, which is Deathgasm. You know that evil heavy metal that your parents hate you listening to? You know those lyrics about hell, demons, and doom? What if I told you it's all real? I know. I was there. It's Puss. That's me, Brody. My friends are losers. So we started a band. Check it out. Ricky Daggers. Is he dead? Wouldn't be crazy if the music had something to do with demons? Demons. We're all gonna die. I translated those pages. Now, people are turning crazy. Like, possessed. Crazy. What's up? That was pretty cool. As is, I mean, the axe and the... You know, I'm not even sure I'm in the right tuning. I thought it So I think I heard about Deathgasm either through Bloody Disgusting or Rue Morgue. Again, I can never remember. I see so many things so long ago for the first time. But of course, once I heard about it, I had to see it. I had to see it. You know what? Same thing for me. I actually heard about this movie uh, on the Banger TV episode. So Banger TV is a YouTube channel, which is all for metal fans talking about metal. And I actually watched it in the Women in Metal episode. So what are your likes? Everything. I'm going to say that about everything today. (laughs) Okay. Everything. I love the music. I love the concept of heavy metal teens 
teens fighting against evil. We talked about that. I fucking love that trope. That's my favorite thing ever. I love all the gore, the practical effects, the horror. I found that there was a lot of very empowering symbolism within the movie. So I really enjoyed that. And Zach, call me. (laughs) (laughs) He's a dick, but just be a one-time thing. It's fine. I'm sure you'll be very disappointing, but I just got to do it. (laughs) (laughs) just one time just one for me you know what I'm like I have written here my notes like the music and the relationship but it's actually interesting enough I had some notes where I'm like oh this is what I like about it and this is what I dislike about it and then I watched it again last night I'm like I like everything about this movie (laughs) there's just there's just nothing I dislike either like even like the things that I said I'm like oh a tad bit too long I'm like nope perfect length for me oh it's uh too crude sometimes in humor and I'm like no actually it's actually fine it's actually hilarious so yeah it's a very likable movie whether you're into metal or not I think you can still understand where these people are coming from again there's that you know the bullying and them just trying to just be them own their own selves you know what I mean especially the main guy which whose name I can never remember Brody. Brody right you know he just moved into this new town he just wants to be left alone as we all do and yeah. often how us horror fans and metal fans want to we just kind of want to be like just leave us alone let us like what we want to like we don't need to be bullied or put down whatsoever so exactly and I also dis I don't dislike anything about this movie this movie is wonderful fantastically done so you in a band yeah I um, I play uh, the guitar I mean X. Um, do you do you like metal? Um, isn't it just a bunch of guys screaming? No way. Well, apart from grindcore and death metal, it's kind of like that. And deathcore, screamo, porno, grind, black metal, mathcore, <laughs> thrash, and mortalcore. But apart from those, it's just not my thing. I don't really get it. When life sucks and, and you feel alone and empty, stick on some metal and life is better because because somebody else knows the pain and, and the rage that you're going through, you know? kind of leads us into what I've experienced in terms of being a female metal fan, but this also this idea of the myth of the groupie. Yeah. So this comes up with that a lot of female metal fans experience a very gendered experience when it comes to this music. It's because they're either seen, when they're seen at shows, they're either they're interested only for sex Mm -hmm. and they don't give a damn about the musician or the music at all, or they are a partner of another of like someone a guy who's there listening to the music so you're not really there because you like it you're just there because he likes it so you could probably get you know fool around later or be his like girlfriend or something like that right like mm-hmm. acting like you like the music just so that you can get the guy yeah and you know I've had that experience where I've gone to a metal show and it's just like and because I don't always look very metal that people think I'm there because you know the guy I came with is there but what's interesting too and like I know you Kelly brought this up like when we had our conversation the the other day on our Spinsters After Dark event talking about like we're not groupies and if there are women there who want to have sex so what and that's another interesting mm-hmm. thing is that there's this actual movement within the female mm-hmm. metal communities that we're trying to redefine the term you know groupie mm-hmm. and we're taking it back and saying like yes we can want to have sex with the musicians and appreciate their music like totally it can be both um that's me <laughs> <laughs> metal dudes are hot and they are i mean they it's are. 
pretty much exclusively hot, especially black metalers. Oh my goodness. Um, that's why I'm saying, Zach, Deathgasm, call me. And metal ladies are pretty hot, too. Oh, my like, goodness gracious. I'm everyone, there, everyone. I'm there for all of it. <laughs> We're here for everyone. But we also love the music. Completely. We also appreciate the music. We know when we want to separate us he- moments of headbanging to moments of flirting with totally. the musician. Like, who cares? Like... If I did and wanted to sleep with a band member, that's totally fine. If I want to do that, I am consenting to to do that. And Mm -hmm. I can also be there and enjoy the music. And so really when we think of it too, like how women are treated in the metal scene is this, we get this negative negative imagery created in the media sometimes. And sometimes Mm -hmm. the negative imagery is towards female metal fans. The media controls how we view the metal scene, Mm -hmm. right? And so a lot of times we see men being portrayed very dominantly and women are typically overshadowed and and when we do have female imagery in metal it's usually very heavily sexualized Mm -hmm. into submission Mm -hmm. but there also is imagery of like the hot metal queens but at the same time too they're 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 sexualized so Yeah. The media hasn't really been friendly to that. And also, I didn't understand how much I didn't care for it until like in the recent years. I do not like the term female fronted metal. No. It is metal. Yeah, yeah, me too. Just because they have a female lead singer, it is still metal. She is still part of the death metal genre. She's not part of this female fronted metal yeah, genre. That's not a genre Fuck. that exists. You know, like I remember like when I was younger and getting into metal, yeah. I was like, yes, I listened to a lot of female uh, lead singer and a lot yeah. of female bands, but at the same time too, that was empowering to me. Yeah. That was amazing yeah. to hear a woman singing not about her ex-boyfriend, but singing about going to fucking battle. Yeah. That's why I liked it so much. I wanted to hear, see women yeah. leading the charge and being part of these really powerful bands and being very empowering mm-hmm. for me. Totally. But then over like, as I've gotten older and over time, and people keep segregating they're like oh like i really don't like seeing playlist on spotify that's like female fronted yeah. metal i'm like it's just fucking metal it's just metal yeah or it's like power metal or death metal or this it's it's not its own genre and i i have disliked it for a long time as a teenager mm-hmm. i probably used that term but i didn't really know any better because i was, right, I was exactly. getting into leaves eyes and epica and lvt yep. and all of that stuff and but yes the singers are female but we don't say male-fronted metal. It's just metal. <laughs> right, right. It's just even metal. though it's a it's a boys' club. Metal is still dominated by by men. Things are ever evolving, and we don't need to say that term anymore. So, which brings us, and like I know we're talking about our female experience and how this relates to the film Deathgasm. Mm. Well, we see this right in the sense of you're going to talk about Medina yes. and her journey. Oh my god. Right? It stands out to me so, so much because I find it very authentic and empowering. So, folks, if you remember, so Medina is the really pretty blonde girl at the beginning that wears a lot of pastels and that really iconic time when her and uh, Brody got ice cream and they're sitting on the bench and he's like decked out in full metal garb. Um, <laughs> Corpse paint and everything. everything. And she's like, I just, I don't get it, you know? And they talk about mm-hmm. metal. So he lends her a CD. And in the movie, it shows when he listens to metal, he's this metal god. And there's these beautiful, scantily clad women clowering all over him. And then when she listens to it, she is the metal god 
with women clamoring all over them. Not even men. The women are still into them. Yeah, yeah. And she finds that, she finds power in metal. She finds it very empowering. And then by the end of the film, you see her, she's probably, I think she has like some black streaks in her hair. Her nose is pure. She's wearing torn up sleeveless, like baggy metal shirt. And she's like fully integrated, fully converted into metal. And I find that highly authentic. So, and there's other Mm. movies that they kind of jumped to my mind was like in the faculty, the horror movie from the nineties, Stokely. She's a like gothy girl, really into sci-fi, the weirdo introvert. And at the end of the movie, she's seen wearing like a little barrette in her hair and she's wearing oh like the purple clothes. It's, it's so terrible. So I find that really like she was forced or coerced into normalcy for acceptance mm. by this football boyfriend. She couldn't actually be herself. She had to change her aesthetic. She had to change who she was in order to be accepted and to have this boyfriend. I just found those very, very forced. Whereas I find how the movie shows her, it's an empowering conversion. And she finds the power of the metal, and I relate to that so much because I do too. I listen to it and I am a fucking metal god myself. And, like, I can do anything. It's bold, it's beautiful, it's powerful. Yeah. So that's what I have to say about Medina. And I think she's wonderful. Also in the movie, she just kicks ass. She immediately is like, I'm grabbing weapons, killing zombies, and that's it. Like, nobody has to tell her twice. She has survival instinct, and she is strong, and she is so awesome. The film Deathgasm in itself, I just feel like the whole movie is this sense of feeling empowered through metal, right? Because we know with Brody, as a metalhead, he shows his allegiance to metal, which makes him an outsider to everyone else in his school, which leads him, makes him vulnerable to being bullied. And we see some horrible scenes of him getting beaten up, his ear being ripped out by his own cousin, like a family member, you know, because he's different. And we see that he looks to metal and he's like, and nothing matters when I've got metal. And yep. even like when he unleashes the the power of Aloth into the world, he's doing it through metal. He was fine. He wanted to use the spell, the black hymn to yep. be able to become a metal god himself. Yep. Uh, and what I, and as, as you were talking, I was thinking about this film. I'm just like, this film's about relationships. Yeah. Because like as an outsider, he developed a uh, relationship with uh, Dion and I can't remember the other Gary or something like yep. that. Like the outsiders who play D&D totally. and they're different. They join his band and he makes friends with Zach who is kicked out of school. He's a troublemaker. He's deviant behavior yeah. but he's a huge metalhead. Yeah. And then Medina, like even though she is seen as an insider because of the way she dresses yeah. and stuff like that. When she calls out yeah. David, Brody's uh, cousin, for his behavior about yeah. bullying and stuff like that, she's made herself an outsider yeah. because she's speaking out against the norm. Totally. And so it's all about these, like, through metal, they have all these relationships together, these relationships with these outsiders and, yeah. you know, the Brotherhood of Steel, the yeah. two guys, like, even when, when Zach is an ass all the yeah. time. Yeah. When you come down to it, those D&D quote-unquote nerds, they're happy. They're they've they're happy with their identity and who they are and what they like and they do in their spare time same as zach same as brody everybody's we're content with who we are you know who's not content are the ones that are doing the bullying as female metal fans we are happy yes we have to deal with gatekeeping yes we have to deal with the myth of being a groupie but at the end of the day we are happy completely so i'm gonna move into uh just mentioned banger tv so banger tv was created by sam dunn who created the headbangers journey documentary and global metal so he's a canadian he lives here in toronto yeah so it's a really great youtube channel they do 
metal reviews. There's a lot of metal education going on there, talking about, because he decided, I think it was like a decade ago when the Headbangers Journey came out, he developed this whole like metal tree of all yeah. the different subgenres, and he's been updating it and adding to it uh, slowly. And we'll put that in our Spencer's library for folks to check out if you want to. And from there, yeah, so there was that really wonderful episode on women in metal, which we'll also link in our library so you could check out. It's really great. Metal, yes, is dominated by by men, and there's a lot of misogyny, there's a lot of gatekeeping, and there's a lot of having to prove your metal credentials, whether you're male or female, just overall. I've watched Banger from its inception, however long that ago that was, because I loved Sam Dunn's documentaries, especially global metal. I'm really interested in metal around the world and what people are doing with it and how they feel about it so okay so i enjoyed it but it was a dudes club and then this beautiful long blonde haired woman named sarah joined their team and i was so happy i was like oh there's a woman on here now that is so wonderful she just has an extensive amount of knowledge she is a music critic a journalist she is a singer in a like traditional heavy metal doom metal band smolder also put that in the show notes and she's fantastic so it's so nice to to see a woman involved with that and she's just like all over the place and i know that she has experienced some backlash because often men don't like to be told that perhaps what they like is not great. I'm gonna have a female come in and perhaps might know more than them. And you know, they get kind of defensive. Their egos Mm -hmm. bruise a little bit. It doesn't have to be. Sometimes people just know more than you and that's fine. There is the the feeling that the community is misogynistic and they're not very accepting of women's thoughts, opinions, or, or commentary. And I think, Jess, you experienced some of that. I remember when I was with my ex, uh, Noah, and being invited out to hang out with his friends who also listened to metal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times my own opinion about certain songs or certain bands would never really be taken seriously because A, I didn't look like I listened to metal yeah. and B, because I felt like, cause I was a woman. Like, so how would I know anything different or, yeah. you know, anything better, right? So yeah, I've definitely experienced that. And then of course, like now when I tell people I listen to death metal, they're just like, really? What bands do you know? Oh, and I'm God. just like, go fuck yourself. That's a band I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> See, when it comes down to it, metal is not how you look. It is an attitude. And Mm. it doesn't matter. As much as I have seen bands and enjoy bands that just look like regular everyday people, even though I gravitate more to the theatrics and production of things, in the end, it doesn't matter. You're you're providing some wonderful music that I still enjoy. So it is an attitude. Those people are still metal at heart, even if they don't quote unquote look the part or have the uniform. And I think that maybe I haven't experienced the the gatekeeping and the flack and the backlash that you have, Jess, is because I quote unquote look the part. You know, I wear Mm -hmm. band t-shirts. I cut off the sleeves. I've got black hair. You know, I've got the pleather jacket. I wear all black. I've been wearing all black since I was like 14, 15 years old. So it's not new. So I look the part which means I guess I know what I'm talking about and I know what I'm doing. I think that I do, but, you know, people don't really question that. They don't mess with that. And though Mm -hmm. I'm thankful that I haven't had pretty much any of this backlash, it's just, and again, it's really inappropriate and unnecessary. And why do people care so much about that? I don't know. So our interest in our crazy random happenstance, um, in the summer, Jess was here to, to visit me and we went to Stormcrow Manor, which is a really cool, nerdy bar on Church Street here in Toronto. And as we're in line waiting for a table, there's this guy in front of us. And in my mind, I was like, 
Is that the guy from Todd in the Book of Pure Evil in front of us right now? This is all happening in my mind. I was like, I'm just going to ask him. So I, so I just said, excuse me, are you from Todd in the Book of Pure Evil? And it's Bill Turnbull who plays Curtis Weaver oh from... Oh my God. And he's like, yes, it is. I was like, oh my God, that's so fantastic. I'm like, we're huge fans, blah, blah, blah. You know, that kind of celebrity. And Jessica's like fangirling beside <laughs> him being like, oh my God. I can't talk. <laughs> I was like, that's so great. I'm like, I'm Kelly. This is Jess. Yeah. We're like, you're huge fans of the show. What are you up to? And he's just like, hey, I'm on the boys now. Check that out. Anyway, so we all go in. He's is eating at a table a couple of like a couple of tables away from us and before he leaves he comes over and he's really really sweet he's like thank you so much it was really great meeting you you know take care yeah and then i thought we should do heavy metal horror this year and let's see if we can get an interview with him because we literally just met him and let's try this out we ended up getting the interview so bill turnbull is a toronto-based canadian commercial television and film actor known for his roles in goosebumps Erie, Indiana, Being Erica, The Vow, Degrassi, The Next Generation, and most recently, the new Amazon Prime series, The Boys. But of course, for all of us metal and horror fans alike, we have known him as Curtis Weaver and Todd in the book of Pure Evil. So here is that interview now. Thank you so much for agreeing to hang out with us. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for asking me. That was, uh, it's, oh, it's very nice of you. Speaking of Todd and the Book of Pure Evil, how did you get involved with that project? So, yeah, just, I auditioned for it. Um, man, this would have been a long time ago. This would have been around <laughs> yeah. 10 years yeah. ago, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, yes. <laughs> um, so I remember, I remember a couple of the auditions, um, like you just go in and you read it by yourself with like somebody with a camera reading the other lines of the scene. And then I, we had a couple callbacks, I, I think at least two callbacks. Mm-hmm. And I remember going in the room with Alex who played um, Todd yeah. and uh, Mel who played Hannah. And we just sort of did scenes together and like, I don't know, felt good, but I was sort of like, didn't really think that it was going to happen or whatever. So I was just having fun in the room, mm-hmm. which I guess is worked for them. They liked it. Yeah. Uh, and then I went in with a couple of other people for Hannah, and I'm not sure if I went in for anybody else for Todd. It might have just been Alex. Nice. I do remember the other. there was another guy going for Curtis, and he was, like, super tall and skinny. So they were going to oh. go a different direction, but they uh, mm-hmm. they went the complete opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think you did a fantastic job. I started my rewatch of it the other day through the first four episodes, and it's so funny. It's such a charming, hilarious show, and I thought you did a really fantastic job as Curtis. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) I... uh... Doing that show was such a, I don't know, not steep learning curve, but I learned a lot. And working with, like, yeah, Alex and Maggie and uh, Mel and and Chris was just, working with Chris specifically was just kind of hard because he would make me crack up during takes (laughs) so often. Yeah, yeah. And I would feel so bad, but I just wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to stop. He was just very, very funny. The, uh, he's the the actor who plays Atticus, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. He's hilarious. I forgot <laughs> how funny he is. Also in in the show, everyone is fantastic yeah. in their own wonderful ways. But he is, <laughs> he's great. He's great. Yeah, he's he was. Uh, I would always super look forward to slash dread 
doing scenes with him because I would mess it up. It was quite stressful for me because I would mess it up so often. I felt so bad. There was one scene where I think it's season two where I'm throwing a coffee in his face. Yeah. And I would keep messing up, but then I would have to throw <laughs> coffee in his face. So, yeah, that was, uh, I don't know, that was funny to me. <laughs> and, and also, I mean, Jason Mewes was uh, oh my God. Just yeah. very, like, funny too. So, yeah, it was half of the acting for me was, you know, you remember your lines and make your choices and stuff, but then just <laughs> having to not laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rain it in. Yeah. So the next question comes from me, and this comes actually from an experience that Kelly and I have quite often whenever we talk about the book, um, Todd and the Book of Pure Evil. And we say like, yeah, we watched this show, this Canadian show called Todd and the Book of Pure Evil. And we get the question a lot like, well, what is this? And so we wanted to ask you how you would describe the show in one sentence to someone who's never seen it. It probably would be a run on sentence. But <laughs> uh, so it's, it's a show about four kids in high school, dealing with all of that. And then on top of that, this magical evil thing that they have to try to conquer. It's, I guess it's a bit of a metaphor for, yeah, teenagehood and how hard it is when you're first becoming an adult and all those firsts. Yeah. And then there's, I don't know, this is just occurring to me now and it may be stupid, but it reminds me a bit, uh, like there's a new bad guy every week, which also sort of reminds me of uh, some anime shows, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess a very run-on sentence like that is how I would describe it. That's great. Thank you. Funny, scary, hard. A lot of gore and metal. Yeah. (laughs) All of these things that I absolutely and we love. I'm a huge fan of the, like, young people or kids coming together to fight evil. Mm. That is, like, one of my favorite tropes of all time. You're like, Mm. give me E.T., give me Buffy, give me Stranger Things, Todd. Like, all of those types of things I love so very much so mm. it it just is like this perfect storm of everything that i enjoy which is why i was so happy to to discover it a number of years ago i think they should do a show about a bunch of young kids coming together to do evil i think would be kind of nice <laughs> <laughs> yes let's subvert that trope a little bit yeah right well interesting enough before i actually watched todd in the book of pure evil when i first heard about it i thought that's was the concept behind it was that oh, these yeah? kids get this book and they do a bunch of evil things like that 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 was like that Todd was some kind of like you know son of Satan type thing with his like group a cult leader or something yeah right yeah. and then when I started watching it I'm like this is completely not what I expected it to be well I guess what what was the tagline um, fighting evil with mixed results I guess yep. we did yes. we did create havoc I'm sure a lot of people's <laughs> lives were a lot less good after they ran into us right. <laughs> Well, that's true. On the rewatch, there's a lot of kids that die. So I think there's teenagers that die every single episode. Yeah. 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 It was pretty cool to be on set. They had a lot of practical effects for that. So I just remember, did somebody get like, and and sorry, it's been so while, so so long ago that we did it, but somebody got torn apart. And like, I think they actually had like the model. It was super cool to be on set and see all that stuff. Yeah, the amount of practical effects are amazing, and we love practical effects, so it's nice to to see that and not have a show so full of a whole bunch of CGI, kind of just bring it down to the basics, and we love that in horror as well, so it was it's such a treat. I'm just thinking, like, there was, I think it's the first season, there's a, the little uh, golem, the little oh, tiny the, dog. The homunculus, cool. yes. Homunculus, yes. 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 <laughs> 
I think it was about, I mean, I don't know if you can see for scale, but like yeah. yay big or something. And some guy was like shaking it. So it was like that. And then, oh, there was a guy, oh, was it Mysterio? There was a guy on set who was super talented, fantastic. He was doing the, um, he was doing like a Muppet thing. Oh, forgive me. I forget the name of the character and the, the gentleman that was doing it, but it was very cool to see. He'd be on his back on like a skateboard mm-hmm. with his hand up inside of this puppet doing the whole like voice and stuff. Was it, do you remember, was it Mysterio? Sort of like a Falcor looking <laughs> Muppet. Sorry, I, 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 was, I don't remember. <laughs> I think I was dressed up all purple as a witch with like fake boobs and like a wig and stuff. <laughs> Goodness, I'm trying to remember. That was one of the sh- like that was one of the things about Todd. Like we'd be like about to break for lunch or like they're doing a camera setup and I'd be like purple with a wig and like a fake bodice and like in a dress or like I'd be dressed <laughs> like an 80 year old, right? I'd been in makeup for like two hours and you just yeah. you see blood and guts coming out and you just be like, what business to be in? Next question would be your character Curtis. Do you at all relate to him? Like, did he remind you of you as a teenager at all? Was there anything that uh, you put, you know, of yourself into him? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, Curtis is I just, I guess, sort of me. That's how I sort of did it. I uh, just did it how I would do it if I was in that situation, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, him being like a little, not sad, but timid or something. And naive, mm-hmm. definitely, mm-hmm. I can super relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> Curtis is a very, very sweet, sweet yeah. character. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I've had like... people come up and say that that, that they like Curtis, um, especially. I've had a couple people because he had the 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 one arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had some people come up yes. and be like, it was so neat and refreshing to see a character that had like a disability. Is disability the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Okay. And mm-hmm. and like and be portrayed in a real way. They yeah. people. I don't, it was just nice to have people come up and say that and and that they connected with the character like that it was really neat. Yeah. And I got to have a metal arm. That was super cool. So how would you feel like the characters like Todd and Curtis represent young metal or slash horror fans? Do you think that they were portrayed like negatively, positively? Oh. Do you think they were portrayed well? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, us being stoners was <laughs> right. a running joke, right? And how we yeah. sort of acted dumb, you know, <laughs> as a joke. Um, I did like, though, because with metal was sort of Todd's connection with the book. So there was power there, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So I hope. We didn't offend anybody, especially metal fans, because I could see them coming after me. They'd seem pretty tough, those guys. <laughs> well, like your first, really. the first episode is uh, Todd and Curtis per- uh, performing for Battle of the Bands, the audition. So the yeah, barbarian apocalypse, right? And so, yeah. you know, young, young, young boys getting ready to be in a band and they're so excited. And and all that stupid t- testosterone that they didn't <laughs> have to do with. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they were portrayed well. I think quite accurately. Minus, you know, Todd or Alex is is a bit of a babe and yeah. he's like probably too good looking to be yeah. a high school metalhead. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think we just offended a bunch of old guys who are old high school metalheads who thought they were really good looking. <laughs> That's okay. All right, the next question, which is kind of like a two-parter. Mm-hmm. So, 
there's two episodes, The Phantom of Crowley High and Two Girls, One Tongue. Season one, episode 11, and then season two, episode 10, uh, okay. where everybody's singing. It's the musical episode. So did you or do you have singing experience? And, you know, what was your experience with that? So, yeah, those were a l- more, there were extra work. There was a lot of rehearsal and listening and practicing alone. Yeah. I think there was dancing as well. My, my first <laughs> yeah, memory, I forget which episode it was, but we're dancing on top of the lab desks in in the science lab yeah and they were actual lab desks that i think have wheels on them oh my gosh (laughs) this dance and then yeah like i could feel the thing shaking but it was a lot of work but it was a lot of fun as well and i don't know i just i liked that about the show where we did different i don't know i guess genres Right. Mm-hmm. I guess that's, yep. Yep. That, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of work. It was new. So I, I, I don't I mean, I when I was younger, I sang in sort of, I guess, choirs a little bit, mm-hmm. except for Mel, who was mm-hmm. a fantastic singer. Yeah, 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 she was. I think it's fair to say that the rest of us aren't known for our singing <laughs> so much. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think everybody did a fantastic job. And I, I enjoy when actors who aren't normally singers, but, you know, they can carry their own. And, it's, mm-hmm. you know, you don't get somebody else doing the, the singing for them because then that's not really authentic. And I, I enjoy that a lot. So many things happen on the show. So many odd, strange things. And this <laughs> one question is was there anything you felt happened that was a little going too far with some of the jokes or some of the the effects or the gore not at all with the gore or violence bring that stuff on i I like that stuff (laughs) okay Uh, like i don't watch like saw i don't watch gore porn so much right Mm -hmm. but um yeah if it's a, a good I've been starting to watch horror a little bit more. So me and the wife watched Us earlier this year in the theater. And, yeah, uh, yes. yeah, that was great. Like, I don't mind that stuff at all. Right. I don't think there was anything that, like, I was like, I don't like, that makes me uncomfortable. There was one weird one, though. So for the pilot, for the pilot, there's a scene where all these girls run out of a, um, a change room. I feel like it's for Monster Fat. Yeah. They run out of the change room and they all had towels on. Yes, yeah, monster fat. We did a yeah. take. We did a take. Oh yeah. Where they were all nude. Oh. Or there was one or two that were nude and right. had, and ran out. And I remember being I'd never been on set with a naked person before. <laughs> so it was sort of like it was just it was shocking a bit. I mean, right. maybe that's fair. Exposing my <laughs> old man in the nest, but yeah, it was like, "Oh, I someone should have warned me. That was weird." But uh yeah. right. I didn't end up using it. Well, you know what? Yeah. It's all wacky. Like, I just... <laughs> I was just going to say, they're all kind of wacky. I was like saying, kind of like, because I know, like, a couple times I'd be watching the show and, and my partner would come in. And I think there was the one episode when they're all in the senior's home and the uh, they all have, they've all eaten the laxative and it's just too much for the seniors. Oh, and yeah. My partner happened to walk in on that scene and he's like, what are what you watching? the fuck watching? are you watching right now? <laughs> It was that, yeah. and then that was the one time, and then the second time he came in, and I was watching a scene, was the scene, I can't remember what episode it was, but it was the guy who had the large, like, the evil penis, I was taking him <laughs> over, something like that. Oh, yeah, hey, a, a little tidbit, I, I'm pretty sure Alex did the voice for that penis. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. amazing. It was yeah. like a French, French-Canadian French voice, I think, right? I'm pretty sure yeah. Alex did yeah. the voice. Yeah, so, and that was <laughs> sorry, another time. You, sorry, you were saying. 
So I was saying that was another time, like twice my partner has walked in on me watching the Todd and Book of Pure Evil and both times he's walked in on those scenes and he's like, what are you watching? And he's just like, I don't get it. And he's, I'm like, do you think it's going a little too far? He's like, I don't watch horrors. It almost didn't go far enough. <laughs> <laughs> Remember with, we're in the old folks home on set and they had a cannon to shoot the shit out. I, I guess they call it a shit cannon. <laughs> they would have to reload it between shots and just like, I feel like, I have a memory of somebody like putting the right amount of like corn niblets in there and stuff to make it look realistic. It was just, it was very fun that way. I I believe it. It sounds like a, just a blast to, to work on. It's a blast to watch. So it's. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad you guys liked it. Have you seen the end of the end yet? Not yet. Not yet. It's on my list of things to do this month. So I'm looking forward to it. I love when, you know, a show ends and you can get a little bit more of the universe in either it's like comic book form, movie form, an animated movie. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens in the movie. I hope you like it. We worked uh, pretty hard on it. And uh, yeah, I think it's fun. It's nice to get an ending because, you know, we didn't get to do another season. It's really cool that the fans got together and put the money in and we got to give them an ending and give ourselves an ending, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That must have been a different experience for you, like returning to the show when it was like a live action, you know, you're acting, but then you're doing an animation form. So instead you're just providing your voice to that mm-hmm. and how that like how how was kind of like that transition? Uh, yeah, it's very different. I wish listening back. I mean, I'm quite hard on myself. I don't really watch myself when I'm in things. Looking back, I, I kind of hear what I wish I had done better, but everybody else did a really good job. And it was cool because... Although we're like we're sitting in a, a booth, it was all of us together. Okay. Sitting mm-hmm. down, so right. we gotta still work off of each other and stuff, which was mm-hmm. which was one of the best parts of Todd being there and with these other actors. And I I feel like I learned yeah so much. It was uh, it was cool that way. So it was nice that we weren't like all isolated in our booths mm-hmm. having to react to nothing. It was yeah yeah, it was nice yeah. They, they arranged it that way. So speaking of Jason Muse, so I adore him and mm-hmm. think he's so funny and wonderful. So what was it like working with him? And do you have any fun anecdotes, silly anecdotes to, to share? I mean, silly isn't the word. <laughs> yeah, it was working with him was, yeah, it was a trip. Like I remember going on set and then it was like, oh, Jay's there. Like, you know, I was like, whoa. But he was super nice and uh, very high energy. I think he would pound red bulls like a bunch super high energy (laughs) and he would just say whatever was on his mind he's a very funny off the cuff charming uh unique guy i do remember being on set and like i was sort of sitting on uh the ledge of something doing my lines and all of a sudden i felt two hands sort of gently go on the back of my head and then I looked up and Jason Muse was sort of uh, mouth-fucking me. It's just he's sort of humping my mouth or humping my face. Yeah, just a good. little bit, but it was, <laughs> it was quite funny. You know, when I discovered the show a couple of years ago and then found out that Jason Muse was in it, I thought that was so fantastic because I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. So, of course, mm-hmm. I know Jason Muse from his Jay character out of the duo Jay and Silent Bob and all of those types of roles and I think he's hilarious and handsome and uh, this like that almost like extra sold me on the show and I was like well this is fantastic how do they get Jason Mewes because in my head he's like this huge star and maybe he is maybe he isn't you know but uh, it was just really fantastic they were able to get him for the show mm-hmm. yeah it was cool I, I, I hope he I think he would have drawn in a bunch of people selling uh, a Canadian horror music metal 
show is a lot easier when you have some like a, a bigger name attached to it, obviously. So I yeah. think he brought in a bunch of people. I do remember after the first season we were at Comic-Con, there were all these cards of us and people were there to get our signatures. It was very mm-hmm. surreal. Uh, <laughs> and I remember a lot of people, you could just tell, like a lot of people, everybody was very nice. But some people you could just tell were only there to get Jason Muse's right. <laughs> autograph. Because, right. you know, yeah. they would heard of him before. So, yeah. yeah, there were some people like, oh, thank you so much. Yeah, huge fan. And then going to Jason. <laughs> yes. Very, it was yeah. funny to see. Oh, boy. Well, that was pretty neat. Another question would be, so to us, Todd in the Book of Pure Evil is this obscure, severely, severely underrated show. Okay. Uh, so why do you think it didn't gain the momentum or fandom that we think it deserves? I really don't know. I, timing, I think shows like like Todd are sort of maybe destined to be sort of cult classics. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I agree. Yeah. It's the one thing I've done that running into you two, like mm-hmm. people still sort of recognize me from, you know, and that's years and years later. So that's kind of neat. It's a show about metal and like weird occult evil mm-hmm. horror. And that can be kind of a fringe thing, especially back then. Mm-hmm. If it were to come out now, it might have a better chance, perhaps. Yeah, I think I would agree. I think Todd and Book of Perry will be like a cult classic along the lines of like Evil Dead. Because mm-hmm. Evil, like when Evil Dead first came out, it was not popular at all. And now it's mm-hmm. like everyone loves it. It's a cult classic. And so. With Evil Dead, there's that book in Evil Dead. And then the, with that yes. book, I've never thought about that before. But yeah, I think we, mm-hmm. <clears throat> like David Bowie, I think the writers and producers sort of borrowed their favorite things from a bunch of places and made it in a new way, which I thought oh, sure. was pretty cool. Agreed. It's definitely an homage to mm-hmm. horror films of old and for horror fans. It is, I would say, yeah, it's very niche. You're right. It probably wouldn't appeal to a larger audience. Maybe it came out now as opposed to almost a decade ago. But the fans of it are... <laughs> very very enthusiastic like we are mm. it's, yeah and that's how i feel you know about cult classics is that the people that know it they love it just like they're so open and honest about it and they're just like full supporters we'll stand on this hill until we die we'll defend <laughs> the show until we die and more and more people need to see it if people find it and they enjoy it that's awesome i i hope they do because i think there's an audience for the for that kind of stuff out there and uh, finding a, a great show it's it's awesome you know you gotta get into a whole world and fall in love with a bunch of characters and what they do and stuff so we have a couple more questions for you sure uh one of them is i know you've kind of already just said that you're not uh, not a, really a fan of horror and just kind of getting into it now mm-hmm. um but in the past like you've had roles on eerie indiana goosebumps yeah and yeah. Tales from the Crypt Keeper, which are all shows that both Kelly and I love growing up as children. Oh, right. Forgot about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what is your take on the relationship between horror and metal? Scrambling <laughs> to have a good answer. <laughs> well, I just watched this movie not that long ago. It's by Vice. It's starring one of the Culkins, one of the younger Culkins. It's about the Norwegian death metal, that whole scene. Have you seen this? Oh, yeah. oh yes. Lords of Chaos. Chaos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I quite liked it. Ever since Sabbath, like, it's all about the darkness or whatever and the horror of whatever, life or the devil or insanity or whatever. So I guess it's a pre- it seems like a pretty obvious mix from this from the jump. But, I'm yeah, I'm saying that as, like, a, I'm not very versed in either metal or, mm. or horror. I like both. There's a bunch of movies and a bunch of songs that I like from both, but I don't really right. know it. Something about aggression, too, right? Like, metal seems to be very mm. hard, aggressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And aggression and violence are go together really well. Mm-hmm. And violence and the consequences of violence can be quite horrific. So I guess... Yeah. 
That'd yeah. be that. I hope that was a good answer. <laughs> good. You touched on a lot of a lot of points that we're going to get into on the, on the episode of like horror and metal are very niche. There's very specific elements, but they blend really nicely together. You know, one aspect being a lot of like outsiders and people that are considered abnormal or deviants or outcasts like both of them and often together. And both horror and metal have been definitely looked down upon mm-hmm. by a lot of people as being very lowbrow forms of entertainment without anything to say. But yeah, or even the satanic panic that happened back yeah. in like the 80s or 90s, right? Yep. Yeah. They were responsible for yeah. people killing other people, which is, yeah. I think, exactly. ridiculous, but whatever. Well, can I ask you, if you don't mind, if, when you watch a movie, do you like feeling disturbed and scared? Is that even a f- feeling that you have, or is it just like it's so obviously entertainment that you're like, whoa, that's uh, intense? I love watching horror because I like what it has to say truthfully about society about what we're facing day to day and that sometimes I find the horror genre just allows for us to really explore those depths Mm -hmm. and show people like the true reality of what it's like to experience some form of oppression. I really like atmospheric horror. Um, People tend to like to be scared and that, that whole fear and adrenaline that comes through when we're scared. But for me, it's like what horror has to say as a, as a societal critique about things around you know race gender um sexuality and i feel like the horror genre is just just another voice and it's just very truthful and for me i come from mainly a purely kind of entertainment aspect of it if a movie can scare me i challenge you to try to do that i've been a horror <laughs> fan for 25 years um but i love the the entertainment value that I get out of horror. I like feeling disturbed. I like if movies can make me feel uncomfortable, that other people feel scared and uncomfortable. And then secondarily, like with metal, if you get past the ugliness, quote unquote, of of horror metal, there's quite often something that it's actually trying to say. There's a social commentary Mm. when it comes to, to both. It could be purely entertainment with really not much else to say which there's value in that Mm -hmm. and i think that's where it's great where horror and metal kind of go together because there's some bands that it's really just about entertainment and about music but then there are bands that have something to say it's just you have to look past that surface of aggression darkness violence to see what it has to say so Mm -hmm. i love both aspects of it and also i like aggression and violence like you can look past for a message but those things in and of themselves as long as um, you're not actually hurting people, it's mm-hmm. they're kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, they just, yeah. they're kind of cool. Yeah, it's a a place where we can enjoy fake violence, mm-hmm. the safety of our own homes. Some mm-hmm. sometimes people find it very cathartic. Um, so there's a variety of different things that different people get get out of horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do remember watching, to bring up a Jordan Peele movie again, but watching Get Out yes. and the whole build-up part. And then when there's all these icky white people with this guy. Mm-hmm. That was almost my favorite part because it was just like, ugh, just making yeah. me feel disturbed. Yeah. But it was something that I might not have seen or uh, I want to say experienced with quotes before. Yeah. You know what I mean? From somebody mm-hmm. else's viewpoint. It was, it was yeah. just, yeah. That kind of stuff can be educating. Yes, yeah. exactly. So we just wanted to know um, what projects have you worked on and if you have anything um, that's happening recently you want to promote. I'm on the boys right now. Not that much, just a little bit. I've done uh, some things, but to be honest, the stuff that I've done lately ha- is, hasn't come out yet. So I'm not sure. If, mm. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about that kind of stuff. Um, All right, that's fair. Yeah, just I'm just out there doing my thing. Yeah, excellent. 
I guess my final comment is just that the show is fantastic. Taught in the Book of Pure Evil. And it's I think it's really something to be proud of. And it's just a really wonderful, wonderful show. And I think it, uh, yeah, I think more people need to see it. So I'm hoping to change that. That's super cool. Thank you both for having me on. I would say I asked producers if they wanted me to mention anything. They said, uh, mention the Taught in the Book of Pure Evil, the end of the end. It's uh, the cartoon ending of the mm-hmm. show. If you like the show, check that out. We're going to be checking everything out. And we really appreciate you talking with us again today and just the random meeting because it just (laughs) really worked out really so nicely. Yeah, for sure. It was was pretty amazing. Thank you again for for meeting with us. Thanks for having me. Space Channel presents everything you always wanted to do in high school with everyone you always wanted to do it with. Ladies, let's get this orgy started. They're the students of Crowley High. (laughs) Todd Smith, heavy metal hero. I'm gonna make you bleed out your ass. Jenny Kalinske, definitely not the girl next door. Hannah B. Williams, she's all about the science. Fly free, little one. Curtis Weaver, Todd's right-hand man. Everybody's high except us. And Atticus Murphy Jr. He's watching your kids. Do you know what this sounds like to me? Well, that explains this then. in the book of pure evil. Tell us about your story about Todd in the Book of Pure Evil. Todd in the Book of Pure Evil. So I'm pretty sure that I heard about it a good number of years ago during Fan Expo. Uh, that was when it was actually out or shortly after okay. it was canceled. I remember there being, they had like panels and people reciting stuff. And I'm so sad that I became a fan so many years later. It was just one of those things. I was like, this seems neat. And I just never looked into. And then eventually I just ended up watching it how and where. I don't know. But then I found the DVD set, so season one, season two, randomly brand new on the side of the road in Toronto, which you can do with a lot of things. And I was like, I'm taking these. This is amazing. So I own it. How about you? I honestly heard it from you. And then when I went down to Horrorama for my first year, that was when uh, Raven Banner was there and they were uh, releasing The End of the World, so the movie. So the movie had just came out in 2017. Interesting enough, tidbit, Raven Banner not only released uh, Todd in the Book of Pure Evil, the film, but they also did Deathgasm. Oh, they're the Canadian distributors of it. Exactly. So you talked about it. I saw it at 2017 at Horrorama, and so I found it on Shudder. I watched it and loved it. What I enjoy about Todd and the Book of Pure Evil are many, many, many things. Again, pretty much everything. The premise, we have teenagers fighting against evil. We're noticing a trend. Um, I love the music. I love the gore. There's very little CGI. So much of it are these really wonderful practical effects. And like, as a horror fan... I appreciate and respect the fact that they did pretty much exclusively practical effects and they did a really good job on it. I love Atticus 
as a character. Yeah, yes, Jesus. me too. He is hilarious. <laughs> uh, played by Chris Levins. I just have to look up anything else he's done. Also, his hair in season two, why is it so big all the time? It's so, it's so big. His hair his hair goes through a lot of inter- iterations throughout the series, I noticed. So season one and two. Is- <laughs> He's so wonderful. Let's see. I love the women in it. So there's Jenny and Hannah. Yeah. Um, I used to yep. be obsessed and love Jenny for pretty much obvious reasons. She's like the alt girl of the yeah. group, the long black hair, and she wears the alternative clothes. So I can relate to that. But upon this rewatch, I love Hannah. Oh my God, you too. I love yes, Hannah the yes, most. Yes, me too. Yes. She, every, I feel like everyone is so perfect for their roles. The acting is fantastic in this show. And you would think that, you know, it's a Canadian TV show. It's kind of like B-horror comedy that it wouldn't be great. But I think everyone is so fantastic. Perfectly casted. Yeah. Everybody's good looking and wonderful. But like Hannah just as a character, I also just think she's stunning. And she's just, she's so great. She's so perfect for her role. Just even maybe like the best actor that they have in that. Uh, out of like the four teenagers. Um, I like how it takes the true horror of high school and puts it into yeah, yeah. like a horror, like a actual horrific kind of scenario which you know Buffy did that as well I remember my partner uh, Brandon mentioning that he's like this is kind of Buffy-esque and at first I was like no it's not because I'm very protective of Buffy (laughs) 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 I'm very protective I guess Um, but it yeah there there are some similar elements and then it makes it into real horror I love the, uh, the premise of there's this book of pure evil, and it's a perfect place to be in a high school because it's just such a tumultuous time. It were all hormonal mm-hmm. and upset and angsty, and I like that they take aspects of like being gay or you're like the quote unquote fat girl in the high school and turn it into this like horrific scene where everybody gets their, as Jess would say, just desserts. I love Jason Muse. He, I always, I have liked him for many, many years. I love Todd's shirts that he wears. And then I re- we realized um, when my partner and I were watching it. So I also like the Canadian show called Letter Kenny. So it's a comedy show. And there is an actor that is in Todd and Letter Kenny, but like he is the out of the three got three like total thrash metal guys at the car, like the curly blonde hair guy. He is also in Letter Kenny, which is just, like very different. He's just like really good actor. Like he's very different roles, different accents, but he's so fantastic. Also, he's kind of a babe. So apparently I literally <laughs> like everything about the, the show. I was going to say, I'm like, pretty much you said a lot of the same things I was thinking. Like, I love the concept. I love the idea that is like this, like you said, this book of pure evil that's floating around the school and everyone is like, they're fighting, they're combating evil with mixed yeah, results. Exactly. <laughs> yep. And I just, oh my God, when you were thinking, when you said that, the whole like relation to like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I'm like, yeah, because they're yep. the gang. So you've got the gang yep. and the Scoobies. And then you've got Jason Mewes as the Giles character. He's kind of like oh always God, giving Todd the- Oh my God, he's the voice the, of reason, right? I only noticed this this time. The yep. voice of yep. reason. Totally. Voice of Lives reason for Todd. <laughs> and then, I don't know if you're going to love or hate me, but Atticus is the angel of the group. Because Angel always wanted to be part of the Scoobies, but he was always kind of on the outside, right? They wouldn't really let him fully in. And that's kind of like the same with Atticus. Like, he's evil, but he wants to be part of the gang. And, like, they don't really want to let him in. I do hate you. You're like... (laughs) (laughs) 
not only am I protective of I Buffy the show, I... I'm very protective of But I love Atticus too. Like he is hilarious. He's like, you know, the I just every time he says he's like, I am a guidance counselor. That is what I am. And I'm like, yes. I don't even know what accent he that he has. I don't know. He is just like pure comedy, perfect comedic timing. And I fucking just love him and the show. Um, do you- and you just get into it. Like, you said, all the characters and they're all their little, like, bits mm-hmm. and pieces of them. Like, now every time I look at corn chips, oh. I think of Curtis Weaver and his obsession with I corn know. chips. They are delicious, so that's <laughs> fair. Um, yeah. Is there anything that you dislike about it? I honestly disliked how it ended because oh. I think that was a great series and it just ends so quickly it's so quickly like you really get into it and then by season two you know it's coming to an end and you're just like i'm not ready for this no and like my i I watched the last two episodes last night and like it really caught its stride in season two like even though i think it's less funny in season two it really just like well it picked up in the story and that's how tv shows go you kind of formulate and get everything organized in your first season we figure out who's who and what's going on second season you've got time to get deeper into everything that's going on all the story arcs all the storylines everything that's going on and like it ends so abruptly and it has so it had so much potential that final episode is so wonderful it's so good we will not spoil it for folks we do recommend watching it but it ends on this crazy cliffhanger and i'm like there's so much more to talk about and i'm so distressed right now exactly and um i guess the only thing i did dislike about it too outside that it ended was sometimes the 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 crude humor can be a little too much and i know that sometimes (laughs) me i'm not always i'm not always about (laughs) fart and butt jokes Oh my god. So I may be 36, but I'm actually a teenage boy in the sense of my sense of humor. So when I read your note that some of the jokes are tattoo crude, I laughed heartily. And I was like, of course it is. You're so adorable. And I'm like, dick fart masturbating poop jokes is my shit. I laugh all the time. (laughs) But I could see it being too much. I love that they swear in this too. It's like you just don't see that as much. Like yeah. teenagers saying fuck as they would. I just love Yeah. Like yeah. I like that yeah, stuff. I'm not that much of a crude. <laughs> Everything is so wonderful. Okay. So now we're going to state our favorite episodes. You go first. My favorite episodes are Monster Fat, Terrible Twin Turg Tussle, A Farewell yeah. to Curtis's Arm, The Student Body, Simply the Beast, Fisting <laughs> Fantasy, Death Day Cake, Two Girls, One Tongue, and B-Y-O-B-O-B-E. <laughs> I also like the movie. And I know that's probably not a popular opinion for people. Uh, for me, my favorite episodes are the Terrible Twin Turk Tussle. That is a hilarious episode. Also, yes, it is. a lot of pretty girls. Also, incest yeah. is involved? I don't yeah. know. Yes, there is. They yeah. touch on that little taboo. Um, yeah. Also, Atticus and giving Jenny her lesbian basket. I died. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vegan cupcakes. Yep. Uh, Phantom of Crowley High and Two Girls, One Tongue. So those are the musical episodes. I think the music is fucking fantastic for those musical episodes. Yeah, and everybody yeah. did their own singing. So it's so great. I love hearing that. I don't want to hear somebody else's voice. I want to hear my actors singing. So I guess we can relate that back to Buffy. Once more with feeling, which I'm not a musical fan, but yes. I love the Buffy musical and I love the musical episodes of this. I think if you're blending some good music, it's kind of, it's not like cheesy music. It's a little bit more rock and roll, especially in in Todd. I also liked, of course, See You Later, Masturbator. 
which uh, had the peeper. Oh, yeah, that's crude as hell. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, God, yeah. I did not like that one. Yeah. I laughed heartily <laughs> during that one because I am a 14-year-old boy. And then I forgot to look up the name of it, but it's the one where um, that, like, blonde guy starts a cult and, like, Curtis and Hannah become the cult with, like, the weird oh, eyes. And yeah, she's like... Yeah so wasted like over and over like this is so weird and hilarious at the same time i cannot look away from the screen right now these weird eyes yeah we're so wasted oh my god especially when the blonde kid gets the weird eyes and you're just like i'm creeped out like that child that child's creepy it's so weird (laughs) so unfortunately due to life obligations and my extreme fatigue for the last three weeks i Unfortunately, did not end up watching the movie. I do plan on doing it because I need closure. So, were you satisfied with the results or the end results of the movie? I liked it. I don't want to say I was Mm, satisfied, but I enjoyed it for what it was. And that's what I'll, that's what I will say. Um, It's also, Todd of the Book of Pure Evil is based on a short film, which I also have not checked out, which I do plan on doing that at at some point, just to see kind of where it all stems from. So, there was a lot going on and a lot put into the show and we definitely recommend looking into that further so now we're going to talk about being horror fans that's why we're all here right mainly because we're horror fans yeah exactly (laughs) we talked about what it's like to be female uh, metal fans the kind of flack we've gotten kind of like now addressing what it's like to be female horror fans and what we've experienced yeah so me again personally again maybe it's the fact that i look the part but i haven't really experienced too too much but there's one thing like and two things one that i actually have talked about before in our very first episode called women love horror was i was in a abortion clinic escort and the guy that I was doing it with you know we would spend it's not that not that active here in in Canada it's not like America where people are protesting and harming folks that go to abortion clinics so it was a lot of volunteering of just hanging out and chatting with this guy so we got to talking and I was like I love horror and he's, he's like I can't get into horror and I can't I don't understand why you like it so much because it's so misogynistic and mm. Up until that point, and I still don't think it is, but I've never thought of it as a misogynistic, problematic genre. I always found it empowering, and there's a lot of really wonderful female elements in it. Of course, it's not perfect, but when you look at the action genres, the comedy genres, they're hugely problematic in just different ways. Like, you look at all the rom-coms and how women only care about boyfriends and getting married and all this stuff, and if a guy's super persistent over the entire 90 minutes of a movie, by the end, the woman's gonna be worn down enough that she's gonna say yes to you. So it's Uh, like, it's really... So wrong. I can't stand rom-coms. terrible. And, like, action movies, women are hypersexualized all the time. So the fact that people point out horror all the time, I don't think it's inherently problematic and inherently misogynistic i think that there's misogyny in everything that is out there because and i love what one of our fans said her name is jenny ho on facebook she said if there is misogyny in the film then there shows there's misogyny in society and i loved that that was more articulate than i could probably ever be that art And film is really just expressing what's happening in our day-to-day lives. And yes, there's going to be misogyny in film. Whether it's horror, drama, comedy, or action, it's all going to be there. Horror is not 
you know, it doesn't stand alone in being a problematic, misogynistic genre. I think there's more problematic elements mm-hmm. and other popular things. So that was a conversation we had. There was this other time relatively recently, and honestly, I totally forgot about it until we were going to do this episode. There's this guy that is like a metal fan and a horror fan and maybe we were gonna hang out at one point it was more of it was maybe a romantic thing it never turned out to be a thing mainly because there was this moment of him testing me and this is the only time I've ever been tested so we're having this conversation he's francophone so I think there was some like elements of maybe the way that he was expressing himself and talking was just um different in translation um but he was talking about this documentary he was going to make and he's like yeah, it's like the best Canadian slasher in my opinion. And it was like, it was produced during the tax shelter era. And he's like, he's like, I'm testing you, woman. And I was like, don't test me. Don't test oh. me. Also, oh. so yeah. many tests are based on personal opinions. And folks, your opinions are not facts. So don't test me on what yes. you think. Do not do that. And then he went in when yeah. I called him out on that. And then he went out to say how proud he was of me and the work that I'm doing. And I was like, that just sounds condescending as fuck. Honestly, our friendship teetered off after that. And I've barely spoken to him in a year. Yeah, and that's the things that those happen that come up with being horror fans and being female. And for myself, sadly, I have gotten flack for being a horror fan. Like, usually I get the normal every day, like, when I tell people, like, yeah, I like horror. It's like, oh, how mm, can you watch mm. that? Like, really? Like, I could never watch anything like that. It just scares me. It just gives me huge views. I'm like, yeah. that's understandable. It's, horror is yeah. not for everyone. But then there's also, like, the great times where I meet people who are just like, genuinely curious as to why I like horror and I get to talk about my passion and then they're like you know what actually I've seen a horror film and I actually do enjoy it and now that you've given me that perspective I can understand where you're coming from so like you and you meet people who do like horror Mm. however when I came out as a horror fan really caused a huge Mm -hmm. division in my marriage so because I came out you know I was like 100% embracing my love of metal my love of horror and because of the type of individual I was married to I don't want to badmouth him in any way we were both we were both involved in a lot of new age stuff uh, yeah. and through our marriage uh, and, and like I like to say a lot of love, love and, and light, light. And pastels and <laughs> Yeah, in pastels. And I was breaking away from that because for me, I was finding my own spiritual path and also finding out who I was. I never felt right and happy in my marriage. I never felt like I was being my authentic self. And then when these things are coming up, like this is authentically me, I always felt like I had to defend my love of the horror genre to my ex-husband because of the fact that his views and the views of the people he worked with or they did meditations and stuff like that, they viewed it as very dark, Mm. negative energy and that I was bringing very bad things into the home that was influencing my partner at the time. This is also too because he didn't enjoy watching horror movies with me but he would watch them behind my back. I know, I was back. gonna bring that up and like sometimes we'd all watch them together yeah. but I remember you saying being like yeah. oh, he, he just would watch all these movies without you. It was very bizarre. It was very bizarre and I remember calling him out a couple times like I don't get it like why did you go ahead and watch that whole thing behind my back knowing that I'm yeah. wanting yeah. to watch it and would yeah. love to watch it with you and he never could really truly explain it to me why he did that but then like I've overheard conversations you know and I was accused of bringing yeah. dark energy into our home and influencing it and it caused a lot of huge yeah. fights about us that I was perpetrating the dark negative energy that's in Ugh. the world and I was like no I think that the darkness within us has yeah. to be embraced or we are yeah. going to cause issue I agree 
And and then that's when I came out with Spencers of Horror with the Dark Spectrum, and then eventually Spencers of Horror, really embracing my love of horror, talking about it, you know, talking about being a witch and stuff like that. I've been attacked for being a demon, a devil yeah. worshiper. All this yeah. from family members. So I get that. I've I've gotten my flack for love. I've, I think I've got I've gotten the you know well, how could you like disturbing stuff? I've gotten the religious backlash. I've gotten that you're involved in like perpetuating negative yeah. energy in our society by liking this stuff by giving it energy. I also find this little interesting tidbit that's happened to me over the past year is um, mm. actively dating. Yeah. One of the things I was always looking for, I was like, I would love to date someone yeah. who really loves horror. And like, I would love to have like someone who I could be dating and have like awesome conversations and yeah. watch horror movies together. Like, you know, some of my partners do watch horror movies with me, but they're not as no. passionate yeah. as I am. Over my experience on OkCupid, I would meet a couple individuals who we would start talking about horror. And because of the type of person I am, I get into things 100%. So I know a lot of knowledge. I love reading and learning more about horror movies and different movies and I would find that like I would say like oh what horror movies do you like and they would tell me like the mainstream stuff like oh I like Get Out mm-hmm. I like It da, 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 da. I'm like oh have you seen The Witch have you seen The Changeling have you seen like Antichrist like I, I'm giving like and they're just like mm-hmm. oh no I haven't and I'm like and then over time and I'm like oh I'm really sorry I don't mean to put you off I'm really passionate about horror I really like talking about it mm-hmm. and I, it's like part of like a passion project of mine and then over here the interactions yeah. with sort of petering yeah. off and I'm just like bring it back a bit and then show my horror crazy later I don't know well, I think it's easy to run in casual horror fans that go to the theater to see you know The Conjuring and you know Hereditary yeah. when it came out and I'm not saying they're like bad mainstream movies but if you want to talk about dating if I ever it's it, horror was always on my profiles and if I ever brought it up literally every dude would say have you seen the new it have you seen the new it and i was like yes of course i yeah. have like that's not even a question you should ask <laughs> but also you know you run yeah. into a lot of casual horror fans which is fine but it's it's yeah, hard to find great. i guess hardcore or deeply involved deeply committed horror fans yeah. um that's not already that's not seeing that, someone that, exactly <laughs> that was uh something that yeah. i experienced and it was and also it's like do we have this in common but are you a good dude you know or do you meet non-horror people that are good dudes you know it's just it's touch and go so thankful that my current partner is as crazy about horror as I am and like writes and directs and creates horror films so it's fantastic we share a lot of things in common a lot of different movies we you know disagree on so yeah it's hard anyways yeah so I can definitely relate I know you have had some serious fucking shit <laughs> I feel yep. like you know I've learned so much about <laughs> you and this whole project has you know I think it's it's strengthened our just relationship as friends because like you have got you've just received us yeah. a, a lot of shit for who you are and finally for the person that you are embracing that I saw so many years ago and it's really just too bad because in the end you are happy and that's what matters that's what matters yeah exactly and again it's people's ignorance the fear of the unknown and their narrow-minded views of things that cause these problems Uh, so for horror fans like we said we reached out to social media and asked if anybody had received any kind of backlash or what kind of stigmas or 
stereotypes and whatever. And a lot of these actually, again, they parallel to to, to metal fans. And even though maybe we didn't get the, the responses that we got for the horror, I know that it can relate to it. So, for example, people being yeah. called evil, disturbed, morbid, strange, sick for yeah. liking horror or metal. Women stated that they were, oh, you're su- such a, like, a lovely woman. How could you like such stuff? Like, yes. how could you like Ugh. that stuff? And mm-hmm. yeah. I would love to be there when somebody is saying that to another person. Like, what do you think that stuff is? Again, it's very ignorant. And I just would promote a dialogue and a conversation to have with with people. And like, what do you think it is? And I've, I've read a lot of different comments over the years. And I think a lot of people, when they think of horror, they literally only think about slasher movies. Yes. Slashers, that's all it is. Well, like, just like in metal, there's tons and tons of subgenres, a lot with clean vocals, not even any growling or screeching or screaming vocals. There's yep. tons of different types of horror movies that's very little on the violence and gore and murder. It's all psychological. It's atmospheric. It's, you know, there's the implied murder and the implied violence. Like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not a violent movie. You don't see a lot. If people don't really know, again, it's, yeah, it just comes down to they just don't don't really know what they're talking about and they're just going to judge you and stereotype you immediately there's the religious backlash that some people chimed yep. in about and jess as we know has experienced that yep. horror is evil sure and satanic and demonic and how can you like that yeah how can you spread that yep. negativity in the world yeah and then yeah. one interesting thing i wanted to bring up so our friend ali who is an actor overall but definitely plays some roles in horror movies she's a big horror fan She reached out and said that she's had some industry backlash. So being a horror fan and her playing in some horror roles or interest in horror, because horror is seen as like low brow, like it's not taken seriously as a place for an actor to be. And she loves it. And so even within like film industry, horror is seen as the lowest common denominator. It's not art. It's not appropriate film. Like, how can you even be in that? You're not a serious actor. Horror cannot be serious and you can't have good acting and whatever. I'm kind of projecting on that because she didn't elaborate, but I can just imagine what it's like in the industry if you're like, I'm a horror director or I'm an actor and I love being in horror movies. People overall thinking, like, be horror movies. like, And sometimes those are really well acted. So kudos to those people. Yeah, so we've got some really good quotes from people who reached out to us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And we've got one here by at Nadine Whitney, where she says, it's always seen as trash horror in some respect and some of it legitimately is to ignore what horror does to empower women is naive it's a body genre after all wise children feral girls witches vampires bodies with no I boundaries i love that so much which is why i put it in the notes because it's so right it's so true like the amount of body horror and shit that happens to women and the fact that people can't say that it is a genre appropriate for or there's no place for women in it is just incredibly misguided and short-sighted. Mm. We get, um, you know, from a, a podcast that we both really enjoy, Good Morning Nancy, uh, they brought up how you don't look like you like horror. So making assumptions that um, both a, a mother or a, a girl, like a woman, dressed in any way, shape, or form, can't really enjoy horror because you don't look the part. You don't look how the How are we supposed look to look? I should be offended by this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that we have to grow out of horror. That 
if you like horror genre, that's something that you used like when you're a teenager. And eventually when you get older, you got to not watch that stuff anymore. And, you know, how can you let your kids watch that crap? So growing up, like, I think pretty much like for any horror fan, it starts when you're a mm-hmm. child. At some point, shape or form, you saw yeah. something that piqued your interest that you wanted to see. And that's kind of like a rite of passage for horror. I love like kid based horror. I love that kind of stuff. It's just like, like Paranorman, Monster House, like even Beetlejuice is is accessible by, by kids. That didn't scare me, but I loved it. I think it's very healthy for kids to to watch some spooky things. I really like this uh, one quote, the uh, pearl clutching. So, oh, I can't watch that negative stuff. That's like the last couple years of my marriage, people. (laughs) But it's interesting, and like uh, Kelly brings this up and we got this point here, that true crime is acceptable form of entertainment. It's real, but horror, which is fake, is not. So what? That is this like weird dichotomy (laughs) that I don't understand, that it's okay to be, and like tons of women love true crime. Like that I think is like greater than 50% of true crime fans are female. And that's fine, that's acceptable. But even like horror, which is fake. I also enjoy true yeah. crime, but do I want to sit around listening constantly to real life stories of serial killers and people doing terrible things to each other? I'm good. No. I know that shit yeah. happens in the world. I don't need to immerse myself in yeah. the true macabre of, of humanity and human beings because I know too well the terrible shit that humans do to each other, to animals, and to the planet. I need something that is fake. And I think that's where true crime and horror divides. I agree. And it's actually interesting because a long, long time ago, I was really into true crime. It used to scare the crap out of me, but I wouldn't watch horror films. And I, I always got that argument. Yeah. Be like, how can you not watch a horror film like with Noah? He's like, it's fake. Yeah. That didn't make any sense. Now I can't. I can't stand true crime. I can't do that stuff. <laughs> My favorite here is one of the, respo- uh, the responses we got. The classic horror yeah. isn't political, and feminism and yeah. horror should not mix. Yeah, they don't go together. I love that, and I love when I get to tell people. Well, actually, when you watch this film interesting commentary about such and such a thing and they'll be like oh i didn't think about that you're like yes totally horror is it is and we definitely talked about that in our anniversary episode you should go check that out so we don't get into a long diatribe about that but we disagree that horror isn't political because it is look at the origins of horror and feminism horror does go together this is our project so exactly Uh, the next one is i I love this quote so much because it's interesting and I think Jess will be able to relate to this or at least have a comment on it, which is uh, on Twitter. It was at Madam Monstrosity. Also love your name. She said, being told I celebrate too much darkness and demons will begin to dance in my life if I continue. My response? And then there was like a gif of demons dancing. So she welcomes it. She's like, oh yeah, I love darkness and demons and horror. Like, let's see how much darkness comes into my life. I bet zero at all. Exactly. And I can relate to this. The last thing... Uh, that we got, which was interesting. Jess also may have a comment about this. I don't know. But one person reached out and said that they've had backlash where the people had said that horror movies and horror overall causes mental illness issues. But, you know, 
if you read many blog posts, many articles, that horror actually makes people feel less anxiety. They feel cathartic. It comforts them. It calms them. It does the exact opposite. There's no way that horror can create mental illness. That is showing an ignorance on any kind of psychology and any knowledge about mental illness whatsoever. So I, I'm not personally offended because yeah. I don't deal with that, but I might be offended by that. If somebody said like, oh, it causes mental illness. Are you kidding me? I think this, the person said to them like, oh, well, of course you have all this anxiety and all these issues because you watch horror all the time. Yeah. So you would be afraid all the time because you're watching things. And like myself, speaking with someone who does deal with mental illness in my life, I am offended by that comment because if anything, I'm like, oh, horror movies caused me to have mental illness. Uh, no, how about the fact that I was like all these horrible things happened to me as a child and just kind of carried on with me my life and just being surrounded yeah. by shitty people and horrible yeah. people doing horrible things to me. If anything, like uh, for me, embracing my love of yeah. horror has helped me yeah. deal with my own mental illness. It has me helped me with my anxiety. It's helped me channel my energy into something better than being destructive yeah. towards myself. And that is not, and just is not like an isolated case. This is time and time again, many, many people mm. have said the same thing. So come on. So essentially what those people are saying is that art causes mental illness. I just have to say that my partner Brandon just shouted, mental illness causes art. Ah, ah very, yes. very wise of Brandon. Yes. <laughs> wise in his very young years. Metal dude, metal dude, metal dude wop. Get into our spinster's final thoughts. In this non-brainer of an episode and month, what I want to say is... Spencers of Horror are here to destroy stereotypes. Yeah. So Jess and I live unconventional lives. We like unconventional, non-traditional things. And we feel empowered by this. We're going to share this with the world. And we are proud of it. And we are not ashamed to tell the world our love of metal, horror, or anything at all otherwise. So we are here throwing our horns, banishing, destroying stereotypes. This is what we love. And this is why we chose films like Deathgasm and Todd in the Book of Pure Evil, because those movies in the sense of the TV series represent what it is to be who you want to be be who you are you love metal love metal you love horror love horror you love them both together that's what we're here to do as the spinsters of horror is to talk about these things that we love to show you these amazing television series and movies that represent that and really can display what it's like to be metal and horror fans and just embrace that 100 be who you want to be so that ends our episode on heavy metal horror we want to thank dance with the dead for our intro and outro music robeast and brandon for his work on our promotional materials also you to all of our listeners and we want to remind you to follow us on our website at spinstersofhorror.com our Facebook group Spinsters of Horror we're also on Twitter at Horror Spinsters we're on Instagram so come check out our photos at Spinsters of Horror as well please rate and review us on SoundCloud Stitcher iTunes Spotify and literally any podcasting app you listen to us on and as a reminder we do have merch please visit Tee Public to purchase our t-shirts tank tops hoodies mugs whatever you want and also buy stickers from our shop now also have a donation button on the main page if you'd like to contribute to what we're providing to the world next month we will be visiting the shape while we finish off our three-part series of the 80s horror icons we will be discussing halloween one through five 
Yes, of course, there's going to be some discussion of Season of the Witch. We can't forget that. But until then, remember, the future of fear is female!